Hello, hello. Thanks for listening to Guidance Counselor 2.0. Listen, I want to give you a quick rundown of what this podcast is and what you're about to get into as you listen to these episodes. We had guidance counselors in middle school. We had guidance counselors in high school, but we didn't really have guidance counselors in college. And now as professionals, we don't really have anybody to turn to, to ask a quick question, to learn something about the job search or to navigate your career. And so that is what I want this podcast to be for you. I want it, for it to be a tool for you to navigate the job search and your career. So that being said, I hope you enjoy this episode. And if you need to reach me, Taylor at Vaco, V-A-C-O.com is how to get in touch with me, old fashioned email, social media at T-D-E-S-S-E-Y-N. T-D-E-S-S-E-Y-N. And finally, please rate and review this in the app store because I want this to be discoverable for others so they can navigate their careers. Hope you enjoy the episode. You're right in my mouth. Ray, uh, give the people what they yeah. want. Uh, dog, get down. Um, who, who are you? Uh, what, what do you do? And then I'll start peppering you with questions. All right. Well, uh, my name's on the screen, so I'm Ray Morrison. Um, and I'm a front-end uh, front software engineer at OC Tanner. Really kind of a recent development uh, because I'm also a boot camp grad and a career pivoter, so I love it. So, so, so let's so let's talk about career pivoting, right? So, I was a career pivoter, right? Uh, I was in restaurant industry like you. Uh, then I was a musician. Then I turned recruiter, right? So, I I want to talk about your background, just kind of set the stage of basically like how many like how many jobs you've held, like kind of your story, abbreviated story, like we talked about off air, but. If you can give the people just set the stage and I can start kind of uh, teeing you up with some stuff. Sure. Like all the way back, like we talked about before. Or... Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Um, okay. So, you know, in high school, I needed uh, uh, my first job. And so uh, I come from humble roots. I started working at a Dairy Queen right down the road from where I lived. Um, had a couple. What's your favorite? Before. What's your favorite blizzard flavor? We got to talk about that real quick. Cotton candy. Like, did... Cotton. Ooh. Yeah. Well, whenever I was, whenever I worked there, I used to take vanilla ice cream and just blend nerds into it. And that was it. So, okay. So you're one of those guys that likes like the really sugary can't like not chocolate. You're more of like the fruity. fruity. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a fruit and gummy kind of guy. Not so much. chocolate. That makes sense. I'm a big chocolate guy. That makes sense. Well, we'll, we'll disagree on that for this, but otherwise I like you. So keep going. It's Andy Wong in the comments. I have to say hi. <laughs> yeah. Andy, what's up, buddy? It's great to see you, former guest of the show. Andy, I don't know if we've scheduled round two with you and I, but let, let, let's get that done. So, yeah. Um, okay. Chill, dude. So, uh, yeah, no, I started out at Dairy Queen. And then um, whenever I went to college, I needed a part time job because I had no financial assistance. You know, uh, FAFSA uses your parents' income, even if they're not helping you with tuition. I was a full time student, uh, music major, and they want. You know, music to be your full-time job, but couldn't really do it. So I started out at a Jimmy John's, um, worked my way through there for like four years, started out as a delivery driver, ended up becoming the GM. Um, the same guy owned like five locations in my area. So I managed like four of them. I'd go wherever they needed me. Um, pay wasn't great. So I ended up bailing to go to Taco Bell for a year. Schedule wasn't great. I got tired of doing like 7 to five, uh, seven p.m. to 5 a.m., then turn around and coming back, be back at noon. Um, raised the concerns to my manager. She kind of dismissed it, so I bailed. Um, ended up managing a bistro for Courtyard Marriott for a little while uh, before just kind of hopping out of management altogether. I'm not saying I'd never go back, but now that I'm in the software engineering track, I'm not sure I'd want to get out of the IC track. Um, and then I ended up working two jobs for a little while. Um, I was a bartender at a casino while also starting my factory job making car parts. And I had a stretch of like 
90 days where there was no days off. I had two days off, but it was because I switched shifts with people to get the afternoon off from the bartending gig. So that was fun. And um, then whenever the rebids came up for the schedule, I had very low seniority. So I bailed on the casino, took the factory full time, which I was already doing full time anyway. Um, but the downside really was that it was a 45 minute commute each way at plus turnpike. So every day I'm, you know, spending a couple bucks on turnpike tolls yeah. and two hours on the road, picking up my kids um, kind of sucked. So eventually yeah. I lost that job over some workplace politics and in a fit of rage, I was kind of like, you know, I'm not doing anything I don't want to do ever again. Right. I'm as far as employment goes anyway. Yeah. I mean, there's things we all got to do that we don't like, but I wasn't going to work for low wages and be overworked, hot in the summer, cold in the winter again. Right. So I, I dabbled with code ever since I was a kid. But I mean, between whenever I was younger, it was always the choice of work hard and learn something or play video games and get the dopamine hits. And then as I got older, it was, well, you just worked all day. Do you really want to work some more at night or would you rather take the dopamine? Right. Um, so I, whenever I lost the, the job at the factory, I decided to take the leap and rolled in uh, General Assembly's coding boot camp. And um, uh, here Rest I am. Rest history. Rest history. So, so <laughs> let's talk. So my big thing is, is like, <coughs> you know, people are sad. They're like, wow. That's crazy. Lots of jobs. You just quickly got into General Assembly. Talk about why you picked General Assembly in your mindset, right? Because we talked about that off air about how you needed something. Uh, you mean General Assembly over other boot camps? Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Easy decision for me. Um, there were a couple I was looking at. I don't, I mean, I know I looked at a bunch. I don't remember which ones were my final two or three. Sure. Um, I, I want to say Flatiron was in there somewhere. Okay. But um, General Assembly just went out because. I need a full-time program where I have to be in class every day because I need someone to hold me accountable. Like I need that third-party accountability. Yes. So when people ask me, do you think I should take a boot camp? Was it worth it? There's no yes or no. It's really, it depends on you. Um, for me, I needed that structure. But if you are the type of person who can just watch Udemy courses or take free code camp, by all means, save the 20 grand. Yeah. Um, but General Assembly won for me just from scheduling. Um, they, their full-time course ended at five, another one ended at six, and the others only offered Flex. Um, yeah. So Flex wasn't gonna do it for me. And then um, I had to have my kids at cheer practice at 6 p.m. So my days ended up looking like General Assembly nine to five, then go upstairs and make sure my homework gets cloned into my laptop before I leave the Wi-Fi. Yeah. Um, and then uh, drive my kids to cheer practice and then hop on my hotspot to do whatever I could log into TA hours and do my homework for an hour and a half in the car and then get back home and still have to do the rest of my homework until probably eight or 9 PM after everyone goes to bed yeah. and hopefully have time for games afterwards. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, so I mean, let's, I mean, let's, so, so let's talk about this. I mean, in regards to just, you know, the work ethic, right? I mean, I mean, you said yourself, you needed the accountability. I mean, what's your biggest advice for people um, who I, I, I guess, I, I don't know, just really struggle to, you know, to, to get going. Um, like I, I, I know what I'm trying to get at here. I'm trying to ask the question and tee it up, but basically like, what's your biggest advice for, for career changers going into bootcamp or going into software? Mm, well, you can attack it from different angles, but I kind of said it, I made a post yesterday and I said something similar. Um, if you're waiting for like the right time, whether it's to have a kid or to make a career pivot or quit your job, there's never going to be one. There just really isn't. It'll never feel 
like it's going to be comfortable and it's going to suck. But if that's your goal, like the biggest advice you can get is just to get out there and start doing something because there are so many others that don't. And so, I mean, and then once yeah. you've graduated boot camp, juniors often will be like, well, what do I do now? And it's yeah. just like build something. Yeah. Do it. Well, and I think too, I think to compliment you is just like, even for somebody who needs the accountability, you still put in the work though afterwards. Right. Sort I mean, you, yeah. I mean, you still grinded. I mean, you were balancing family life, you know, and then work life. What, what, what's your advice to junior devs from that perspective? Like the balancing of like <laughs> all of that. Cause it's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. I mean, it's tough because you you know, your partner, if they aren't into tech, doesn't get it at all. So like once I graduated boot camp, she thought like, okay, well, you have the certificate, just you should get a job now. It's great. It's yeah. Easy. Yeah. Right. And I was like, okay, well, I still need nine to five free for job search and development. Like pretend like I have a job right now. And for her, that was really hard because she, she was really right salty there. a lot of the time. Like, well, you're not getting paid to do stuff and I need help with this. Or like, why are we sending our kids to a babysitter when you're not working? And I'm like, well, if I'm going to keep learning the skills I need to learn, especially what from like a data structures and algos side, which by the way, is something that I don't practice and didn't practice. And I'm probably an outlier because I've never solved a leak code problem. Um, so like she didn't understand that there's that entire other side and that interviewing is a skill and that's something you need to develop as well. Yeah. And yeah. you can't do that if you don't have the time and you especially can't do it while you're caring for an infant and a toddler. Correct. Correct. So yeah. that's well, tough. And, and that's what I wanted to get at right there. And that's what I talk about all the time. The job search, the whole entire job search process, right? From a boot camps to, you know, the studying, the training, like it is a full-time job. Like mm -hmm. you have to approach it. Now, for those of you who have a job and want to career shift, I talk about obviously maximizing the, the little bit of downtime you have. Um, Frank comes in here again, right here. OMG had the same conversation mm -hmm. with my wife as well. Again, I mean, I think no. I don't want to get into marriage talks here, no. but I will tell you this. I think expectation setting is incredibly important, especially when it comes to when you have to grind, right? So I, I've been kind of passionate lately about, I don't, I used to say, let me help you find your dream job. Like that used to be kind of my thing. But what I've really become mindful of is I don't think there's such thing as a dream job. I think there is a dream job for the current season of life you're in. And for me, I think with Ray and everybody else, you know, with Frank setting expectation is that the season of life that Ray was in required like for him to buckle down and work eight to five, even though he wasn't working. And it's all about that expectation setting. Mm -hmm. so Ray, yeah. I, I, I want to ask you this. So you completed, uh, you completed your boot camp, right? And what, like, what next, right? Yeah, you're right. You got a certificate. Great. How did you find your first job? Walk me through the interviewing. The if you did the network, like, how, how did how did that all come about? Sure. Um, just going back to the last one real quick, though. Um, yeah. The big thing to remember is that. My pivot happened after being fired from a job and I chose instead of finding another mediocre job to just go all in. And also at the time I had a baby on the way, so it might not have been the best decision. We had a we had a baby during my third project uh, during the week. It was a group project. So my team carried me. It was great. Oh my um, <clears throat> but 
like I really do recommend having a nest egg of like six months to even a year's worth of bills just sitting there if you can. It's not always that's possible, good. but that's like good. seriously, <laughs> I, I wouldn't necessarily recommend doing what I did. Um, I have a great support system. My grandmother has always been there to help me out. At one point, I really needed help, and she just handed me a thousand bucks to help cover some bills that I had. Like I had the the people in place to support me. If you don't have that. Jumping into the deep end without an income, not the best decision. That's good to know. Um, That's good to know. But to your question, um, what after boot camp? A lot of um, a lot of my stuff was networking. But the day after I graduated boot camp, I uh, on my LinkedIn feed um, it said you know people you may know or suggested connection or whatever. It was one of my cousins on my dad's side who I'd never really talked to. Um, <laughs> That's funny. But he, it said software developer, and I didn't even know that I had any developers in the family. So I requested him, and I was like, hey, just graduated a boot camp. Do you know anybody who's hiring? Like, since we don't talk, I didn't want to be like, hey, can you give me a referral? I really was genuinely just looking like, I know nothing about this industry. Do you know of anybody who's got All right, I'm going to interrupt you. I got goosebumps. I get goosebumps when things are good. That right there, what Ray said, that's it. Can you say that one more time? Basically, you didn't know that person. You didn't want to like ask for something. Yeah, so yeah, I mean, yeah. You don't know people. Don't go just asking for stuff. Thank like, you. Give me job is not a good look, and it started happening to me now that I'm gaining an audience. Yeah. Um, like over the past six months, I'm up a little over fifteen hundred followers now, um, and I'm starting to get messages, and a lot of them are, "Hey, give me job," and it's it's not a good look. I don't even dignify it with a response half the time. Yeah, good. Yeah. Um, but so instead of giving me a list of companies that he thought were reputable or whatever, because he's a senior software engineer. So I figured he'd had the experience. He'd know where I should start. Right. Um, and since he was family, I felt comfortable asking that question. Right. I wouldn't even ask random people. Do you know who's hiring? That's not a question I would ask just anybody. Good, good, um, good. So he said, yeah, you know, we are. Send me a resume. Following morning, a recruiter reached out and had set up an interview. And then. I talked to her. I made it through the screening. She was like, let me put you through a screening call with one of our um, engineers. And he liked me. So they were like, here's a take home assessment. And the, I, can't, I think it was on Codility. Maybe it was a different one. Um, but it said in the instructions, you know, any programming language, it had JavaScript listed, which is what I was trained in. So whenever I went to go take it, it was like Python only. And I went, huh? So I messaged the recruiter and I said, I mean, like, is this an, an error or should I like take a week and familiarize myself with the basics of Python? Yeah. Was, yeah, we're not in a rush. Go ahead and just take a week. So I learned some Python and then went and took this assessment and there were two, um, there were two algos and they were like really simple. Like we pre-filled most of this for you. Here's the number one and number two, show us which parameter goes where to make this equation come true. And then one more that was like, return the sum of all the arguments. And I was like, I learned Python for this. But ended up passing that with flying colors because it was it really was an easy assessment. The rest yeah. were multiple choice, and I think I missed like two of them. Um, it, it wasn't difficult. And then um, I got called back again for a final panel interview. And at this point, this is my first interview process, and this panel was six people. <laughs> it also was sounds like was this like your very first interview too? Yeah, like, the day after I graduated, I got an interview and then made it into the final rounds where I was sitting in front of the VP of engineering, two seniors, a hiring manager, and uh, I think someone else from upper management somewhere. I can't remember exactly the titles of who. 
I tried yeah. connecting with these people after the interview process too, and none of them accepted. I was sad because I liked the guys. We ran over on time. We were laughing. We were joking. They were like, they 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 clearly had like one guy that they like to give a hard time. So I jumped in on it, and they loved it. Um, so it felt like more like having a beer with the boys than an interview. Sure. Yeah. And then they put a hiring freeze on. Like this was right before Christmas. It was Q4, so we're really not doing much. And I felt that it went so well that I took my foot off the gas and stopped applying. I was like, the check's in the mail, dude. Mistake. Because this was like December 22nd, and I didn't hear anything until about like January 8th. Um, So sure, it was the holiday season. And whenever I said something, people said, oh, you know, you you deserve it. You came out of a boot camp. Take a break. But like, you got to realize that if you're not applying, like if you apply today, you might not get a call until a week from now. But if you, you know, you've got that pipeline rolling, you skip a week. Now you have a dead week in the future where you're not getting anything. Right. Oh, it's so good. So good. I love so, that. Yep. That happened. Um, and then from there, really, I just stopped being stupid about it. Um, I, I did stop cold applying. Um, so like, I'm not one of the people that you see saying, you know, I put in 200 applications and not getting anything back. Like I was getting rejections sometimes but i wouldn't get them for like days or weeks so i know a human saw it i wasn't getting rejected by ats um and then um if i I was getting all sorts of screening calls i was getting a few recruiters a week and um eventually i had a connection approach me and say hey you know i love your stuff we've been talking we talked a few times and um you know he said hey i've been approached for a contract i don't have time for it can i refer you like yes so I talked to the guy and um, it was a pretty short conversation. Guy was pretty cool. He brought me on and he asked, you know, what do you want to make? I was like, I don't know, 35, 37 an hour. I'm a junior. I don't know what's marketable. Yeah. I don't want to eyeball you. And he goes, how about 40? I'd rather you be happy and just pay you a few dollars extra. So I know that you're not like harboring some resentment looking to jump. Um, and I was like, that's the way it's done right there. Hiring managers. That's the now- that's what's done. To further that, he didn't have the gig in the bag yet. And because he didn't want me to wait around for a couple of weeks, um, he was like, hey, how about it was going to be a React front end, which I am familiar with, but an uh, ASP.NET core back end, which is C sharp, which I don't know. Okay. And he was like, how about, you know, you take the week. I'll send you like 10 hours worth of labor. Um, and you just try to build me a dummy site. Just, just familiarize yourself with the stack. Man sent me 400 bucks right up front just because he didn't have anything for me yet and didn't want me waiting a couple of weeks. Right. So very blessed in the whole, like yeah. I, it was networking, man. It well, was your net. Yeah. Cause you're networking. Yeah. It, it was just a peer, like not a hiring manager, just another fellow engineer who was doing some contract work and didn't have any bandwidth for more contracts. Um, so and, quick, quick, quick question though, just popped in my head sure. when it comes to networking. So I've been a little bit more tactical. I've had some one-on-ones recently I usually show two ways to do it. You can search for jobs on LinkedIn, which isn't the best way. And it's a little tedious because then you got to go to the company and then you got to search for maybe recruiters or senior managers. Or you can literally just connect with people in your city uh, with your skill set and just talk to them, which, but then you also said basically you leverage the, like you may know on LinkedIn. Just how did you how did you network with people? Like, were you sending just blank D were you sending DMS to, to strangers on LinkedIn? I'm, I'm an outlier in like all these fields. No. In fact, I didn't send connection requests period. 
Um, I if I saw like my my dream jobs like working at Riot Games. So sure, I went and looked at Riot Games engineers and sent them some requests. One of them sure. accepted, and we had a conversation after a few months. But only because he had uh, hopped on LinkedIn to find a new job. So he had been inactive, then saw my request, accepted, and we talked. But um, especially for my first 500 connections, I like you might want that 500 plus badge, especially whenever you're getting started, because it shows you've been on LinkedIn and whatever. It gives you a little bit it's of perception. I talk about all the time. It's perception. Yeah. So um, I didn't send requests at all unless we were talking in a comment section and I wanted to talk to you more. Or something like that. But I didn't go and just be like, oh, here's the people in your field or like search for software developer and start sending people notes. I might have done that like my first week because that's what Outcomes told me to do. But I quickly did not do that anymore. Um, right. I just started trying to be consistent with posting. And the way that I approach uh, posting content, like coming up with ideas is hard. Um, so the way I approach it is, and this might sound bad at first, is how to manipulate people, the human psyche. And the, what I mean is, if I scrolled past something on LinkedIn and I couldn't resist giving my two cents, if there was a question asked that I really wanted to give my input on, even if none of you care, um, if I wouldn't be able to scroll past that without voting, without commenting, then neither will you. And so post things Whoa. that invoke a response that people can't resist scrolling past. Or they can't scroll past, is what I mean. Yeah. So whether that's a poll on like, what's your favorite programming language? And depending on the size of your audience, it might get a different amount of things. But things that people fight over. Is yes. HTML a programming language? Guarantee you, you've got a dumpster fire in the comments. But it's- Yeah, whenever, whenever I want to- uh... Whenever I want to burn something down, I always post about resumes or LinkedIn profiles and just people lose their minds. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so there are things. Um, but basically, I just started trying to, at first, I was very like angsty towards boot camps because I think GA does a lot of things wrong. I think that there's very little screening or grouping by skill level, and it really yeah. slows down the, the pace for accelerated students who are doing better in the class because of the people who are interrupting a lot for simple questions, syntax errors. Um, and it's very clear that they didn't like check those assessments and split you into groups by it at all. It's just a cash yeah. grab. Yeah. So I made several posts complaining about that stuff. And, and my, my career coach from GA messaged me like, hey, your audience right now should be employers, not angsty bootcamp grads. Maybe you don't want to do that. And I just kind of was like, eh, and we've barely talked since. Um, so and then I, at some point, I mean, there's only so much ragging on boot camps you can do. And I'm not sure. about to just do nothing but be a negative Nancy. Sure, um, sure. So at some point, especially at the, the, the challenge is how do you post like you're an authority on something whenever you don't have anything to show for it? So whenever I was just freelancing, like once I got the solid freelance gig, I was like, well, I have a little bit. But then once I successfully got a full-time role in less than a year after leaving a different industry, now all of a sudden I have something to talk about. And whenever I post about my story and where I was a year ago, people really seem to resonate with that and the post kind of takes off. Yeah. But I mean, there's also an element of luck to it because like I put 20 or 30 minutes into writing something that hits the character limit that I have to refactor and it gets like in the first hour, 400 views. And then I get something where I'm like, the, the one from a few days ago is a prime example. I was like, hey, I was playing video games last night and talked to a guy in his 20s who wanted to learn to code, but thought he was being gatekept out because of a CS degree. And after talking about it for a little while, you know, he said he's probably going to take a boot camp or whatever. 
Uh, I think I might have just changed someone's life, and that's crazy. And all of a sudden, people are like, 5,000 views in an hour, 300 likes. It's just like, th that felt like a throwaway post to me. It was very little effort. It took me just a minute for a few sentences. Yep. The engagement ratios are weird, man. Well, I will tell you this, <clears throat> um, and then I'm going to get to Eric's comment here in a second. But I, I will tell you this, the shorter form content, if we want to like talk X's and O's here, the shorter form content on LinkedIn does better. If any of y'all post really long things, I personally never read it because I don't have time. Um, I usually try to keep mine to like, I guess if you want to go lines, like six to eight lines. And that's pretty much where, where I like to keep it. Um, so Eric comes in. I kind of hate that you have to worry about trying to come up with clever posts for folks on being a good developer. So here's the deal. Mm -hmm. now, and I want, I want, I, I, I also want um, Ray to, to chime in on this, but I don't think you have to worry about coming up with clever posts. The thing is what Ray just said is that like he wants to do both. He just posts. I think the thing is, is that the importance I want to get across here is the importance of putting yourself out there. And it's a little bit of a game you have to play. And I have this conversation all the time with people. I don't want to do it. I get it. I understand. But I'm going to say, look at Ray. Right? Look at Ray. Um, Ray, do you so have thoughts on this? Yeah, I do. I think the question is, do you want to do it? I'm, so do you want to be a LinkedIn influencer or don't you? And you don't have to be. You don't have to be. You also don't have to think too hard about coming up with clever posts. The thing is, it is a bit of a mindset shift at first. But if you start looking at everything through the lens of, is this a piece of content, which does sound like it's a little taxing and like um, you're constantly thinking about LinkedIn and it goes right back to dopamine, doesn't it? But um, no, if, if I'm talking to somebody, people come to me and they'll ask questions, especially because of what I've done in the past year. They're just like, okay, well you quit a manufacturing job and got into software in like seven or eight months. How'd you do it? Here's a question I have in a specific thing. And then I find myself typing them out a response. And then I go, this is a post. Exactly. Literally all the questions you're already answering every day is a post. Yeah. Which is, so, I mean, I've definitely sent somebody a long form DM and then gone back and copied and pasted it and then refactored it into a slightly it. better post the following day. Um, and if I don't have anything, I don't have anything, but what I used to do will still do, but I haven't been, you know, flush with ideas lately. I just keep the sticky notes app open on my desktop. And whenever I come up with something, it's like post ideas, here's bullet points. And if I need a, a link or an image, I'm like, okay, put that in my personal like Slack to me yep. message. And then just put a note that it's there. And then whenever I go to make the post, it's just like, okay, whatever link or image I had, it's, it's there. Right. Um, All right. So as we wrap up here, as we wrap up here. How did you get the job at OC Tanner? Okay, that one's easy. Uh, again, LinkedIn networking. So one day I I had an issue with my freelance gig and um, I was trying to debug something. I don't remember what. And I was like, hey, does anybody know asynchronous JavaScript? Both the dot. You posted that on LinkedIn. Yeah. And I asked for help. And a developer from OC Tanner came to me and was like, hey, yeah, I, I've got a slow day. I'll help you. He sat with me through five free Zoom calls like four hours on, on Zoom, just helping me with this for an entire afternoon. And at the end of it, um, <clears throat> he, uh, he we, we were talking about our jobs and, you know, where we've been in the past. And I, I turned out I had applied to OC Tanner on his referral 
as like a, I don't really know you, but I'll give you a referral back in January. Um, Nothing came of it. But this time I applied for a role while I was screen sharing with him. And we talked about like what I should put for salary band. And I had him proofread the little statements I was writing. It was nothing crazy as far as input goes, but ended up using him as a referral. Got a call, had a single interview really didn't know where I stood. Like a lot of the times, like I told you that last, that first interview I had felt like a beer with the bros. This was awkward because like the first 45 minutes we spent talking, then they were using a live share extension that had some bugs and latency issues. So I lost like five, 10, 15 minutes of the code challenge to technical issues. Didn't get to finish the thing. And then didn't even get to the section where they're like, Hey, do you have any questions for us? And I usually have a, a, a Word document with some common ones. And I make sure to bold which ones I want to ask in this interview based on what kind of company it is oh, and what I've gleaned yeah. from talking to people. Um, I do want to give you one before we kill this. So I've got one that I think everybody will love. Yeah, go, yeah, go, and, yeah, go um, So then I, after that interview, I have waited a week. I got a call and the rest is history. I made it in. Um, but... One question that I think is great, uh, you always want to know what kind of company that you're going to go into culture-wise, but if you ask, what's the company culture like? They're going to give you the standard bullshit HR response. It's great. We value our employees, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Better question to ask, and I've said this before publicly, but a lot of you don't know me. Um, You just ask, do you have any top performers on your team? And if so, you know, what makes you view them that way, whether it's their work ethic or personality or whatever. Now, if they respond with like, yeah, you know, Taylor's great. He always drops whatever he's doing whenever we need him to come in off hours or work over or, you know, he's always on call. Just things that indicate that you're working long hours or that the way they value their people is by the amount of time they contribute um, versus interesting. Versus Taylor's great. You know, he's a great mentor. He's always there to help our juniors when we need him. Um, He's contributed some stuff that's really saved the company a ton of money. Now you know that they value you for your skills and what you bring to the table and that you're not necessarily going to be in a sweat factory. So good. Man, you know what I'm going to do, Ray? Just just because, obviously, uh, I'm going to start asking at the end. So I I have a question I'm about to ask you to wrap up, but I'm going to start also asking people their favorite interview question. So I'm going to start doing that so people can learn from that. So that's wonderful. All right, right. Last question. We'll wrap it up here again. Thanks, y'all, for listening today. I have seen the comments. The comment section has been lit, as the kids say. Um, so thank you so much. Uh, last question. So we had guidance counselors in elementary, middle school, and high school. We don't have them now. They're called therapists now. Um, what is What would be your biggest advice for your younger self getting started in your career? Oh, man, I, I wouldn't have... Uh... I wouldn't have gone to music school. I probably would have just gotten the CS degree or boot camps weren't really a thing in 2011. I mean, I think General Assembly was actually founded in 2011, but they weren't super popular. I, I probably would have just gone the self-taught route. Like if I'd known how, well, not how, not how easy it is, but like, it's not the hardest thing in the world. I've done harder things. So like just getting out there and doing it, put down the video games and just commit to something. Like it's just like paying your bills. You get your paycheck in. If you pay the bills first, then whatever's left over you can play with. Same deal. Get the stuff you need to get done to take care of you done first. Then whatever time's left you can play with. Like I didn't do that when I was younger. I was too recreational. I was a teenager. I was having a good time. That's awesome. I love that. I love that. Well, Ray, thank you again, y'all. Thank you again for hanging out with us today. We appreciate it. Go connect with Ray. The, uh, I will tell you this. This has probably been the most engaging show we've had. The comment section has just been unreal. So thank you so, so much. 
Um, Ray, thank you. Stay on real quick so I can say bye to you off air. Um, but y'all have a great Tuesday. Again, no show tomorrow. No show. I'll be at Baco all day for a sales training. Thursday, Unicorn Finders with a company called Carrot, who is helping minorities um, and unrepresented individuals in tech perform better on tech interviews, especially in the FANG side of things. Um, and then Friday, um, it'll just be me going live uh, with some thoughts like I usually do on Friday. So y'all have a great one. Ray, thank you again, buddy. Thanks for having me. We'll see y'all Thursday. Hey, you did it. You listened to an entire episode and I am very grateful because you know why? There's a lot of podcasts out there. There's a lot of episodes and I myself rarely finish an entire episode. So I appreciate you so, so much for listening. Quick reminder, please rate and review this podcast in the app store. I want this to be discoverable to others. And the only way that happens is if you take the time right now and rate and review it, please like right now, unless you're driving, then don't do it. So thank you again. If you need to reach out to me, taylor at vaco.com or at tdesson on all social media handles. And I hope you have a fantastic day.